Maybe I could be like an announcer, like a columnist. I don't believe what I just saw. You know how I always make those interesting comments during the game? Personally, I think we got hosed on that call. Yeah, yeah, you make good comments. So what about that? Well, you know, they tend to give those jobs to ex-ball players and people that are, you know, in broadcast. What about a talk show host? This is In the Booth. Talk show host, that's good. <laughs> I think I'd be good at that. I talk to people all the time. With Matt Park. And away we go. Talk show host, I don't know about that, but we do have a talk show and we do have, this is the last week of it for all of you tearful fans out there. See if you can bring yourselves to uh, believe it. Last week of the uh, In the Booth program, maybe ever, but uh, for this year, we'll see uh, what the future holds. Put a bow on the uh, Syracuse basketball season today and uh, continue uh, throughout the course of the week to look ahead to the Final Four, which uh, is always exciting. This year, a little uh, funky in that there is an outlier with Loyola making its way in. Uh, one of the most improbable, arguably the most improbable run to the tournament. You know, VCU and George Mason kind of head that list right now. VCU got in as an at-large. Actually, Lake Syracuse went to Dayton, played its way into the Final Four. Loyola is a team that wouldn't have gotten in the tournament at all if it had lost in its conference, and uh, there was some question uh, you know, as to whether they deserved an at-large bid, but uh, boy, did they look good in just thrashing Kansas State the other day, their only lopsided win of the tournament. They'd won the first three games by four points combined and then blew out Kansas State, uh, looked awfully uh, fundamentally sound in those uh, uniforms. The garnet and gold looks like hickory. They have a few guys that uh, look like they could have been pulled right out of the movie Hoosiers and Sister Jean and the whole deal. Lots of people getting behind Loyola. I'm of the mindset that, that, hey, these upsets and things, they're all fun and games the first weekend, maybe into the Sweet 16, but you don't want to see them in the Final Four. It's a huge thing for Loyola. They actually won the national championship in 1963, different era, of course, but uh, very, very exciting for those people. Lots of good stuff going on about it. We hope to have a guest on later in the week to uh, have a Chicago and uh, Loyola point of view on all of that but uh, it cheats us a little bit I think but then maybe not there's certainly a argument to be made about uh, it's cool to have the little guys and Syracuse having been to two recent final fours in the era now where these championships are treated kind of like the Super Bowl they really are the more I think about it it's kind of cool for Loyola now I, I think to an extent, if if Michigan blows them out, which could happen on Saturday, maybe not. Maybe Loyola hangs in there. You kind of get cheated in terms of it being a little bit more of a competitive game. But I'm thinking about the last couple of times where Syracuse has been to the Final Four. That means there's going to be a hotel plastered with Loyola stuff for the first time ever. There's going to be a bus wrapped in Loyola's color scheme and that kind of deal. There's going to be extensive media coverage on these guys that you've never heard of or thought of. I don't care how big a basketball fan you are. You didn't watch any, not one, Loyola regular season game. Not one. You probably couldn't have told me their nickname a week ago or named their coach or any of that stuff. 
But uh, that's part of the thrill of the tournament. And uh, let's not count them out just yet. It's a good collection of coaches, clearly. We're going to talk about that with Jim Sadlin later, and uh, I'm sure he'll agree, but rather have him say it than me say it. It seems like it's an all-good guy Final Four when it comes to the coaches here. Uh, Certainly, Jay Wright and John Beeline, Villanova and Michigan, respectively, are universally respected. Jay Wright's done an awesome job in building his program to a perennial national title contender, and he's won one himself. John Beeline, the former Lemoyne coach, has just been extraordinary in the recent years getting Michigan to where they are. He's viewed as one of the best offensive coaches in basketball. His son Pat could be on the move as well, so there's a couple of the items there. Porter Moser, I don't think people know very well at Loyola, but they know his mentor, Rick Majerus, and uh, they know his story fired at a couple of different spots and uh, succeeding there. And then, of course, Bill Self and all he does is win. So that's the uh, the final four with uh, three name programs plus Loyola with the games in uh, San Antonio this week. And we'll spend a lot of time on the uh, the show this week looking ahead to the final four. Sticking to your little guy argument there, yeah. if you look at the tournament besides Villanova, when when multiple bid conferences played multiple bid conferences, those games were good. Yeah. You know, and I don't know if it's true or not, but it, it's kind of hard hard for a school to play. To the level of a you know a, a South Dakota State or a, you know you know what I'm saying and those upsets happen but look at Syracuse for example every game was against a Power Five school and those games were all awesome and Syracuse was an 11 seed and that's because you're you've got quality players at an 11 seed yeah. when you get into that well one of the things that we've we've talked about just kind of the research in the games so this is kind of a little bit of a different tangent uh, maybe a discussion for another time but. Jim Beheim has this extraordinary record, and uh, I know Stephen North Syracuse came on the, the earlier show and laid it out. We talked about it a little bit on the uh, Duke uh, pregame show as well. He's now seven and two. Syracuse has only been a double-digit seed twice, and they're seven and two when that's the case. Well, you have to have made some mistakes over the course of the season or underperformed to some degree to be a major conference program and be a 10 or 11 seed. And that's kind of what happened these last two times. But then you do have, in some cases, major talent and firepower and the ability and a Hall of Fame coach, et cetera. And so you're you're suited to overcome that. What Syracuse has been as a 10 and 11 seed of late is not what some other programs would be as a 10 or 11 seed and, you know, kind of playing up right? What uh, Loyola is. What they, they were in 11 as well, right? Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, you would, over the course of the season, line up or certainly as a program, year to year, you would, it's not even a contest, you would value uh, Syracuse's uh, program profile much more than that uh, of Loyola. This year, I don't know. You know, head to head, I would like to think that Syracuse would win a, a seven-game series with uh, relative ease against Loyola, but but maybe not. I mean, they've got guys that have uh, played together. They've played and executed at a very high level. They're an exceptional offensive team, clearly, and uh, and and who knows? I mean, that's why they play the games. I think the uh, the prevailing comment that I've gotten from people since the season ended Friday night in Omaha is, "What a ride!" And to me, that's what we all sign up for. The whole thing 
is a ride from the start of the year to the end, the ups and downs, the uh, various twists that a season can take. You get your hopes up over one thing, you get a setback here, you get an injury there, you get it, and then you watch how they react to it. And I think that's been a big part of the season. It absolutely was a tremendous ride. It makes you feel a whole lot better about the year when you get three NCAA tournament wins. And their lone loss was a game that clearly could have gone the other way against Duke. And if Duke gets one better bounce yesterday, they beat Kansas and they're in the Final Four. Um, So game of inches, Syracuse not that far off in uh, what turned out to be a 23-14 and season. That game of inches thing, too, is fun and about what a ride it was. We went into selection Sunday saying, man, if we had only just won one or two more games, this would be a totally different selection Sunday. Whereas if they had won those one or two more games, you may have gone home in the round of 32. You may, you know, you yeah. may have run into a, a, an upset somewhere, and it just the way it fell this year was so much fun getting to the Sweet 16, beating. Well, it goes good to the discussion we had a little bit last week about would you rather have UMBC's season or Virginia's season? And as Coach Beheim rightly points out, if you are a good program, a you know good team, team and program are, are slightly different, but if you're a power program. The way you're measured is on the NCAA tournament. You expect to make it virtually every year. You know, Syracuse, the sort of baseline expectation is really the Sweet 16, which is a very high bar, but uh, that's what fans sort of plan on and expect. So to, anything short of that is disappointing, or certainly let's say the round of 32. Uh, you want to be in the tournament, you want to win a game, and, and Syracuse has done that with uh, pretty great regularity. At least they've won when they've been in the tournament, let's put it that way. Um uh, had this, let's say this team had beaten Notre Dame during the year, or had won at Wake Forest, and had was safer in terms of the bubble, a two games better record in the regular season, and then two games better in the conference. Now you're ten and eight in the league. Well, you're in the tournament. You're not in the bubble. You're in the tournament. Well, if they'd done that and lost in the, even if they won the first one, lost the second game, you would kind of feel uh, like a bitter taste in your mouth. That's not the way it played out. The the uptick at the end, three historically good defensive performances. Not that the defense lapsed to a great deal against Duke either, but that was another good, close, exciting game. Uh, to me, that's what uh, people are in it for. It galvanizes the fan base. You travel to these places and a lot of good good stuff. So we'll get into that. We'll talk uh, with Jim Sadlin later on the show and uh, hear Coach Beheim's comments in the next segment. Before we get any further, I did want to uh, – not that – Anybody here necessarily cares because you're not likely going to go there, but I would plug Omaha as a host city. I thought they did an awesome job. And the reason I would bring it up is in optimism that our community could somehow adapt uh, or adopt, I should say, some of the uh, clear steps in my mind just as an observer. I've never been to Omaha before, but it was clear they did a couple of things that – put a nice spin on their city. Now, for all I know, they're spitting on each other in, in uh, downtown Omaha right now. You know, maybe maybe it was just a, a front for us, and and uh, and when this dust settles, they, they go back to, to uh, you know, their daily lives or whatever and are not quite as uh, hospitable. But they're, they're very proud of their area. People, you're walking around, what do you think of Omaha? How can we help you? 
how can we point you in a direction? Over the top helpfulness. Their arena was spectacular. Um, I wouldn't say the arena itself necessarily had any frills, but space is no object there. So huge arena attached to a convention center that made it as uh, good an NCAA tournament site as we've ever been to, I guess excluding the Final Four in terms of looking at the amount of space used. And in in some ways it's better than uh, Final Four settings, but uh, very well suited to what is asked of you by the NCAA to – put on these events. I counted, I've been to 22, just uh, in calling the, the Syracuse games, I've been to 22 different venues for the NCAA, and I'd put Omaha up among the best. Probably not the best, but up there in terms of the way y- you got around, the hotels and uh, dining opportunities, uh, how helpful people were, how nice they were. The uh, They did a couple smart things, I think, from a civic or political standpoint, if you look at the names of the arenas, the signage, you know, it says CenturyLink, CenturyLink Center. So that's a corporate sponsor. CenturyLink Center, Omaha. TD Ameritrade Park, Omaha. And you obviously know where you are when it's there. Uh, but to me, it's a, a pride for uh, the community and what they have. The, the two side-by-side facilities, they're used to hosting the uh, College World Series. They're very into the kind of the college sports scene and I know some places aren't saw a lot of uh, negative feedback about you know Boston's sort of apathy uh, for the NCAA tournament Boston is a tremendous sports town arguably the best in America not a great college sports town sports town from a spectator standpoint they they don't seem to be in it from a competitor you know it's different because there's so many colleges in Boston there's a lot of uh, competition the Harvard and the Northeastern and and all of that but it doesn't feel like a a uh, big-time sporting uh, venue all the time in Boston. Anyway, thought Omaha was cool, and it got probably 17 hours away. That's right. Is- <laughs> I find those mid-sized towns do better anyways. They're more... Try into, harder. Yeah. Whereas Detroit... I wasn't that impressed with Detroit. Detroit was kind well, of a, you know, your... tremendous arena, but it's just another spread event. Spread out city, and you're so far, you know, like everything's yeah. so far away from it, and yeah, it was... The difference with, was awesome. Yeah. The, well, the, here's the difference. The difference between Detroit and then put Omaha and Dayton in another category... Omaha and Dayton, it's one of the biggest things they've got going. They, they're they dying to have it. They you know, campaign for the right to host those things. Dayton has signed up for several more years to be the host of the first four. They've done it over and over. They've built up a routine. They know what they're doing. It's great. Omaha, same sort of thing. Omaha is hosted in the tournament uh, previously. Detroit, of course, is hosted in the tournament too, but it's just another thing that they want because they have a nice arena and to justify and get more dates – for the arena, which has 40 Red Wings games and 40 Pistons games a year, and it's just one more thing. They did an awesome job, too, I thought. I thought the arena itself was great. Um, you know, a little bit of a different deal when you go to a city of that size in terms of how you get around and where you go to eat and where the teams stay and, and that type of stuff, which, which is different. But, um, you know, some of the best places we've been, I would say the bigger city, you know, now we're getting off tangent here, some of the good, bigger city places we've been, because you can make arguments either way. Pittsburgh, fantastic. You know, great facility, easy to get around, lots to do. And then we've had smaller cities that stunk. I mean, the worst on the list, everybody would say, is Worcester. Terrible. Bad arena. Of course, it helps that opinion from a Syracuse perspective that the game didn't go well either. But, you know, Worcester didn't deliver in the way that uh, some of these other uh 
places have. And you've had good experiences in big and small cities. Miami, you know, really good. Um, you know, so thought maybe you'd find that interesting. The, the, the part about the Omaha, and I think it'd be interesting to plug into the people that are putting on this bowling event over at On Center and all of those types of things. It was very clear that they were well organized in the city to say, hey, we've got these teams and fans coming in from all over the country and we're going to put on the best face for our city. And they pulled out a lot of the stops to do that. And I think that uh, here in our community when we have people coming in, and I think a lot of people would say Syracuse is a great uh, site. It's not a uh, destination in terms of the you know, the clothes you're going to wear or the vacation you're going to have while you're here and, and that type of thing. But obviously the Dome is a, is a more than adequate facility in terms of the space, the atmosphere, the getting around town, not a problem. Enough places to eat when you're here for a, a few days. But uh, in terms of the attitude, I thought uh, Omaha was uh, tremendous. And next year we can hope for a Hartford, Washington. There you go. In the East, you already looked yeah, ahead. Yeah. I, you know what? This year, it's funny. I think it has a little bit to do about the expectations for this season from the start. I didn't even look. I usually don't look until late in the year to um, to jinx it and you start favoring one city over another, <laughs> another and all that stuff. Um, I didn't even look basically at all in, until, you know, boom, here it comes up on Selection Sunday. And so you're already telling next year. So the eastern path is Hartford. Hartford's a pretty, uh, I would say it's a pretty old it's an older smaller arena. facility yeah. to be a first and second round site. Yep. And then yeah. Washington, obviously, uh, been there, done that, which is a pretty cool spot as well. What else you got quickly? First round. Uh, Columbia, South Carolina. Really? Columbus, Ohio. Yeah. Des Moines. Really? Tulsa. Jacksonville's fun. We've been there. That was a quick out. Yeah. Uh, Salt Lake City and Seattle. I think Salt Lake City might be my single. Uh, if All the places we've been, like I said, li- listed 22. Salt Lake City... To me, was and maybe I just had positive vibe about it, but the best venue in terms of I love everything being walking distance. You pop out the hotel, you go to the left, there's places to eat. You go to the right, there's the arena. And uh, I thought that was a a great setting. Plus, it's a place that you wouldn't go otherwise. Omaha's in that category too. Regionals would be DC. Kansas City Sprint Center is nice. We've yes. seen that. Yep. Uh, Louisville Yum Center is as good as it gets. Kansas and, City would be spectacular. And, Louisville and uh, Anaheim for the Honda Center. Okay, well that's good. That's one way of saying one of the things we'll talk about this year is looking ahead to next and uh, the Orange figure to have a very talented roster a year from now. Plus all these guys that got the experience going through the the bumps and bruises of uh, this twenty. 18 season, a 23 and 14 campaign. Got a couple of Coach Beheim's comments on that when we continue. Jim Saddlin, our IMG Sports Network analyst, later on the show as well. You're listening to In the Booth, brought to you by Burdick Toyota and CH Insurance on ESPN Radio Syracuse. NCAA tournament coverage is brought to you by IBEW NECA, CNS Companies, and Burdick Lexus on ESPN Radio 97.7 and 100.1. This is In the Booth with Matt Park. Coming into this game, Duke was playing at a tremendously high level. We knew we had our work cut out for us, uh, and we had to play better offensively than we did in the first game. We started out playing as well offensively as we have in a long time. We hit a little dead spot in the end of the first half that we just couldn't quite come back from. 
These guys have incredible end of the year. I've never uh, been any more proud of a team for what they've done in th these this last uh, 10 days to uh, go and play in that first game and be able to get that and then to beat TCU and Michigan State. Uh, these guys have a tremendous amount of courage. Nothing phases them. Tonight, things weren't going our way for a long time, but they just kept coming back. Orange head coach Jim Beheim on his team's performance against Duke. Syracuse had the bowling tournament going there, went up the ladder uh, because the seating held opposite Syracuse all the way through uh, with obviously Arizona State, but then uh, TCU and Michigan State, Duke, and it would have been Kansas. You're, you're climbing up the ladder in seating and getting to uh, better and better teams as it went along, and it uh, could well have been uh, seeds 3-2-1 and one if they had uh, made it all the way th through, and uh, they were game Every time, the, the very fact that the Duke game hinged on a couple of things here and there, missed opportunities either side or capitalized opportunities in Duke's case, um, had a lot to say for how competitive this team was and uh, among the reasons people enjoyed the season. We'll get back to uh, Coach Beheim's comments in a moment, but now to the phone and uh, Stephen North Syracuse is on the line. Hi, Steve. Hi, uh, Matt. I wanted to ask you a couple things about the – TV broadcast. Obviously, you, you didn't see the TV broadcast. I didn't hear it either because I always listen to, to you and Jim. I appreciate it. Uh, but there were there were complaints about uh, Jim Nance's pronunciation of the names of Syracuse players. And then after uh, after uh, the game, I did tune into the post game show, and I was amazed to see Kenny Smith analyze the game by saying that uh, Syracuse's problem was they, they were running a three-guard offense, and Duke was getting all those alley-oops over the head of the third guard. Uh, I wonder if you have any idea who the third guard might have been? <laughs> uh, Brissette, I guess. <laughs> you know, I, that, that, I don't understand that. Now. I mean, first of all, they, you, know, you could argue they run a three-guard offense, but they don't play a three-guard defense. No. You know, and no. and uh, and Brissett, you know, is not a guard by any Definitely. stretch other than he, you know, he, he does play around the perimeter on the offensive end, but I wouldn't call him a guard. Yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, with the Jim Nance thing, finally he didn't correct. He did correct himself halfway through. But uh, how, how difficult is it for an announcer to get the pronunciation of uh, names straight with a team that he's not familiar with? Um, I'm going to try to handle this one delicately. Uh, if you allow me to, Steve. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> <laughs> couple things at play there. Jim Nance is not a uh, a big talker. To, like Most of the television people, not all, many, are going to come around to the local radio people and talk to them. Jim Nance doesn't do that. Um, in his defense, he does have extensive access and conversations with people and I'm sure that was gone over um, I'm sure he was told how to say it by someone in particular that that uh, I don't think knows how to pronounce the names so that that's as far, that's as far as I'll go but uh, I I think it was probably corrected on, on the fly there and uh, th I will say this this year in particular was the toughest for pronunciations and and there's a couple things that were a little squirrely about it. If I can go uh, inside baseball, I don't think anybody really probably cares about this. This is the only year that I've worked here or anywhere for that matter, where I had uh, fans 
emailing me and tweeting me that I was saying the names wrong. Um, I like to think that I do my homework when it comes to that stuff. I did make adjustments early in the year when I started to get a little more information and and a little more access to the guys and and talk it out. So that's one thing. But I also think uh, of that age, first of all, they're not super particular. They're not going to correct you if you're wrong. Um, They're a little bit back and forth, right? So uh, Pascal Chukwu, right? So over the course of the season, I kind of diminished the W on that because if you watch the video he did with Donna DeTota preseason, he doesn't use the W at all. He says Pascal Chukwu. On his meet the team video that we taped for the video board in the Dome, there's a little more of the W there. Uh, I think the one that gets people is Marek Dolajai. That's the one that, to my understanding, was uh, botched by uh, Jim Nance in, in the game, you know, the game broadcast, that's not an easy one to say or to interpret. And he's not going to go up to the. He could, I suppose, but he didn't go up to the player himself to ask. In in Marek's case, I stood right in front of him, you know, in the first part of the season. Hey, am I getting this right? And and he, you know, he nodded, and we we went on from there. But uh, there are some materials that are there's some discrepancies, let's say, and I think Nance went with the discrepancy. Have we figured out if it's Sadibe or Sadibi yet? Too that was another. Well, one. that's that one. I mean, started. if you really if you really watch, and we've got Barama on tape saying his name, you know, and they sound a bunch of different ways, and uh, you know, I, I I saw Barama at the top 100 camp before he ever came to Syracuse. You know, when we were we were calling him, you know, going with Sadibe then, and we've kept it Sadibe here and. You know, I love Donna. You watch the the video. Uh, Barama says his name, and Donna says City Bay. That's very majestic. Well, that's not what he said. You know, and I think people are then reacting like that that his name is is City Bay, not because Barama said it, but because uh, Donna said it. And and so I thought I've talked to a lot of my counterparts at different schools and you know the, some of the national guys because we all go over this type of stuff before the game. Just It's part of the routine. And most people felt that that uh, video that Syracuse.com did, and God bless them uh, for the effort, was as uh, – it hurt as much as it helped because there's a little uh, confusion in there in terms of trying to uh, interpret some of the names and, and to, to say them properly. So uh, – this was a, a tough year with that. We all want to. We all want to get it right. Tr- trust me. Um, there are a few people that are lazy and don't go through the effort of of asking or trying to figure it out. I don't think Jim Nance is one of those. You know, he's a pro, and he, I, I think, got bad information. Well, there's a virtue to being called Matt Park. There's only one way. To well, that's right. That. Well, trust me, I get plenty of marks and uh, <laughs> and other things too. But and you don't want to say my last name backwards. You know, then you can really run into some trouble. But. Uh, uh, I appreciate your your pointed out. I think uh, the world will go on, and uh, and Jim Nance will be just fine. And maybe they'll get it straight by next year. That's right. Yep. Your name Thank gets you. pluralized. That's a, that's a often. very very common thing. Thank you, uh, Steve, for the call. And uh, hopefully we'll hear from Steve before the week's out. But if we don't, we uh, thank Steve for calling on a regular basis uh, on the show. We'll we'll be done with the show here by the end of the week. But. Uh, this year was the toughest I can ever remember with the names. Uh, over time, we haven't had really uh, too many that have been difficult here. You know, football, basketball, et cetera. Um, we've had a few uh, back and forths and guys that change over time for, for one reason or another. Uh, Christophe Angena, you know, but uh, uh, 
that was tough. I heard any anymore now. You can't make a mistake and people not uh, recognize it. And, and I'm just gonna say I'll say this in Jim Nance's defense. I know he went through. He had to have gone through the steps um, that any of us would to get the pronunciation. And in this case, there's a little miscommunication, and uh, it was fixed. And uh, life will go on. And He's a pro and will continue to be. All right, back with more as we continue. A quick segment with Joe Salzone and then Jim Sadler coming up to wrap the season and look ahead of the Final Four. That's all as we roll on in the booth on ESPN Radio Syracuse. Live from the DBOffers.com, powered by Drivers Village Studio. This is ESPN Radio. 97.7 FM, Syracuse. And 100.1 FM, Oswego. Do we care? Interesting. I doubt it. No, wait, the other thing. But we will do this segment anyway. Here's Joe Salzone. After an awkward exchange with Dana Jacobson of CBS, Florida State head coach Leonard Hamilton says he could have handled that post-game interview on Saturday much better. Take me through the final seconds of this game. Why didn't you guys follow? Uh, What are you talking about? Down the stretch there, the end of the game, the final seconds, 11 seconds left on the clock. Do you think that the game came down to the final seconds of the game? I'm asking you, though, why that decision in the final seconds of the game? The game was over. Hamilton released a statement Sunday saying the drama and emotion of sports makes for compelling TV, but not always for level-headed interviews. Yeah, a lot going on there, uh, not the least of which is that I think people will say about Leonard Hamilton is a tremendous recruiter and not a uh, great game coach. They weren't in the game. Uh, probably should have continued to play it out there in the final seconds, and obviously that didn't go well. Dana Jacobson is receiving a lot of credit from the journalism geek community for, you know, quote, asking the, the tough question. But uh, the whole whole thing, everybody kind of looked a little awkward for sure. The White Sox rehiring a former groundskeeper who spent over two decades in prison for a crime that he did not commit. Nevis Coleman was released last year after NBA, uh, after a DNA evidence proved his innocence the team says they're happy justice was carried out yeah incredible uh obviously a hard-working guy to be a groundskeeper uh men or women who do that uh, for major league baseball teams and minor league baseball teams across the country uh bust their butt and uh this guy just wanted to be back and i can't imagine what that would be like a sheriff's deputy says punxatani phil is wanted for fake news last month the groundhog predicted six more weeks of winter that ended last week but a spring storm dumped a bunch of snow in the northeast the groundhog is wanted for, quote, deception. Yeah, probably not leaning on the most uh, scientific uh, way to determine the, the weather there. Let's, let's cut Punxsutawney Phil some slack. Have you ever been to Punxsutawney? I have. Okay. It's everything you would imagine it to be, unless. Do We Care is brought to you by Cam's Pizzeria. Cam's love it for a slice. It's kind of the... I was gonna, title of your autobiography too. So. <laughs> I was going to ask what the like his accuracy rate is. I'll come back when we come back. I'll try uh, and have can't that. Can't wait for that. Back with Jim Saddle and next as we continue in the booth on ESPN Radio Syracuse. This is in the booth with Matt Park. Back in the booth, brought to you by Burdick Toyota and CH Insurance. Last week of the show for this year, and we thought it would be fitting to uh, kick off the week, wrapping up the season, looking ahead to the Final Four with our friend Jim Saddle and. Seth, so uh, good to have you on with us, and uh, a fun ride we had, my friend. Yeah, thank you, Matthew. It was. It was a, uh, you know, I, I don't even want to say it was a little short, you know, that we wish we were playing next week. We certainly do, but uh, it was a terrific year for Syracuse, and uh, 
they surprise a lot of people around the country, and, and uh, not the least of which is me, quite frankly. <laughs> I think by beating, by going as far as they did in the NCAA, it was a terrific year. You know, there's, I'm texting with our uh, our friend from University of Virginia as we speak here, and during the break, he's like, "Well, would you rather have Virginia's season or Syracuse's season?" And honestly, I have a hard time. Yeah. I have a hard time answering that and, and leaning hard one way or the other. They're both uh, beautiful and flawed in, in uh, their own ways, and uh, I don't know if you have a a take on it, but you, you, the uh, bottom line is you don't get to choose. You know, we're all along for the ride here, and and for Syracuse, it was a season that could have ended in you know a, a much less glorious way i think there were were times where you're bracing for you know not being in the tournament at all certainly and uh, maybe even worse than that and it, it's just amazing the power of the tournament it's also the most recent thing right so um the, the high that we all kind of feel on you know having the the team win three tournament games it, it just feels like it outweighs virginia's winning 30 games for the year yeah, you know, it does, and and that's probably a shame. Um, you know, Jim Beheim said that a few times in his press conferences out there at the tournament, that it's all what you do, uh, you know, in the NCAA tournament. That's all people remember. They don't remember anything else, or 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 they look at it in a negative way for the, if you're not in the tournament and so on. And I'm sure that this, is a, this was a terrible blow for uh, Virginia, who was clearly the best team in the country for the last month and a half of the season probably, and uh, to get upset right off the bat is, uh, is going to be tough to stomach for them. But they've had a fabulous year. It's a great coach, great players. Um, just was one of those days. But you look at Syracuse, um, you know, and, and it was an up-and-down ride all year long. And for anybody to say that they knew that Syracuse was going to get in the tournament, I would question whether or not they're really telling the truth on that one. And uh, so they got in. They did exactly what they had to do. They got lucky. Ah, lucky it's not the right word. They got fortunate the first round against uh, Arizona State when they had a wide-open three to, to win the game at the end. Their best shooter probably missed it. Syracuse advances. And then, uh, the, you know, their defense just took over the whole tournament. And then watching that game yesterday with Duke and Kansas, you could really get the sense or the feeling anyway, especially if you were there and watched it, that Syracuse would have been right in that game too. Had they somehow squeezed out against Duke, they would have been right there with Kansas. And, uh, uh, you know, so that kind of gives you an idea of how where they came this year, not only individually, but from collectively as a team, they've improved tremendously from November, whatever their first exhibition game was, until, you know, March 23rd. So it was, it was a fabulous year. That said, I think you can tell that the best teams are just that little bit of a notch above, and, and we can get to that in a second. Um, as we transition into what's next for Syracuse, Coach, The uh, right before I saw you at breakfast on uh, – whatever that was, Saturday morning coming home, I saw Elijah Hughes, and I said, you know what? You're on the team now. Here you go. It's today, Today's the first day of next season. And uh, he seemed to you know, have a smile and feel like, hey, it's it's go time. And, and that's just one little piece of it. Obviously, uh, the other guys you, you know, are the biggest question right now. What is it in your mind? Is it a complete no-brainer for uh, Battle and Brissette to go through the draft process? It absolutely is. And, and you know, I would even honestly – I wouldn't even, they probably wouldn't take three, but I would even say to Frank Howard, go ahead, go see. Not that he's going to leave early, but to see where he, what he has to work on, what kind of part of his game does he really have to improve, and so on. So, But I don't think there's any question that, that Brissett and Battle 
have to go there, you know, find out where they stack up against, uh, you know, other players and, and where they, what general managers and everybody else kind of thinks of them. And, uh, so I, I think it's great for both of them. I hope they both come back to Syracuse this year. I'm not sure they both will. Um, you know, anything can happen if you go out there and, and, and perform very well in front of an awful lot of different people. Um, we always say this, but it only takes one. It only takes one GM, one coach, one person to say, hey, I really love this kid. I think he'd be great in our system. So, uh, you know, I, I'm, you know, on the, the, the the fan side of me is saying, I hope they come back because Syracuse could be devastating next year. If they don't come back and they decide that they want to go on with their lives and, and make some money and do those kind of things, hey, that's that's fine too. That's their decision, and, and we wish them the best there. But uh, it would be certainly exciting to see this whole contingent come back next year along with Elijah and the, and the three freshmen bring, coming in. Yeah, amen. And, and we'll uh, certainly get into the decisions ahead for Battle and Brissett in due time. All right, wanted to get your thoughts uh, early here now that the Final Four field is set. We've got about four minutes uh, with you, Coach. And not to put words in your mouth, but I, I figured you would agree with this. It's kind of an all-good guy Final Four from a, a coaching perspective. Yeah, it really is. Um, you know, John Beeline's a good friend of ours, and certainly Porter Moser. You, you have to feel good about Loyola and what they've done here. Bill Self's a good guy, and, and – uh, you know, they don't take anything for granted with the times that they've been upset. And uh, Jay Wright is uh, somebody familiar with Syracuse and, uh, from the Big East days and everything else. So, uh, yeah, it's it's a good group. I think it's going to be two terrific games. I mean, I think that the Loyola-Maryland or Michigan game will be terrific. I think that uh, Loyola has proven that they can play and that they got shooters and they're tough. And, uh, and Michigan certainly does just enough to, to seem to win all the time other than that one blowout of Texas A&M in the, in the 16 game. Um, you know, in Kansas, Villanova's the two quote-unquote heavyweights that'll be going against each other and uh, two one-seeds playing, and, and that should be a terrific game. And uh, as last night's game was, was seemed like it was almost a national championship game with Duke and Kansas. And uh, so, yeah, this will be, be a really fun Final Four. And, uh, you know, the one part of me really roots hard for Loyola. I'd love to see them <laughs> do something that hasn't been done in, in so long, and uh, uh, get a small Catholic school like that to come in and do something that would be really neat. Um, but, you know, Michigan's going to have a lot to say about that, that's for sure. On uh, Easter weekend uh, for Sister Jean down in San Antonio, and uh, you've always told me we're going to have uh, P.J. Carlissimo on the show tomorrow, uh, former Spurs assistant coach, but I, I think you've always said that San Antonio is the best site for the Final Four, huh? It was absolutely the best map that I've ever been to, and I've been, you know, probably the last 20 years or so, and uh, and it was absolutely the best site. Uh, the people were great. It, it, the weather is always fabulous. Uh, they got that nice little river walk there that everybody goes. To. All the hotels are real close. You can walk to the arena. There's nothing negative about it. So I was just disappointed when they didn't bring it back there, um, you know, eight or nine years ago, and. Uh, uh, but yeah, they'll have everybody going down there. will have an absolutely fabulous time. All right, my friend. Uh, always good to, to hear from you. We'll uh, leave some of these other topics for another time, as the coaching carousel now uh, becomes an important thing too. But uh, had a blast with you again this year, and and uh, looking forward to catching up on the golf course. Yeah, I hope so, Matt. Thanks. You were uh, a great mentor to me here on the. <laughs> 
and the airways for the last five or six years. Thank you. Well, I appreciate it. Jim Sadlin, uh He's the best. And uh, get his final uh, words on the season as we uh, look back at the season that was ahead to what might be next and uh, preview the Final Four this week on the show. But uh, looking forward to talking with uh, P.J. Calissimo tomorrow. He had the games in uh, Boston on the weekend. Also had the games in uh, Detroit prior to that. So he saw some of Syracuse. We'll get his uh, final statement, I guess, on the season and uh, maybe what he thinks of some of the coaching movement, Danny Hurley to Connecticut and some of these others that uh, may have ripple effects that might include some names that we're a little more familiar with around here. Vince Tyra was named as the official athletic director at Louisville today. They took away his acting or interim title, whatever it may have been, uh, before uh, weathered the storm there, and uh, that will only continue for the University of Louisville. So we thank everybody for uh, taking part in the uh, program today. More to come throughout the course of the week as we look ahead to the Final Four for Pauly Sibilia and Joe Salzone. I'm Matt Park saying so long. You've been listening to In the Booth right here on ESPN Radio Syracuse.